On this week's episode, we welcome Tiffany Hardwood. I want to read something to you from the Bible, Miss Hardwood. It is Proverbs 19 chapter, mm-hmm. 7th verse. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Prayer for financial breakthrough, breakthrough, Lord. Thank you that you have entrusted me to manage and steward my finances with wisdom and diligence. Help me to grow in wisdom as I seek to honor you through my finances. What, do that, what does that say to the everyday person? What does it say to the banks and these other financial institutions? What is this scripture trying to tell us? You know, it's, it's talking to us about being responsible and respectful of our finances and um, not to sort of play the games that we see being played in the financial industry with other people's money as well. Um, I look, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm self-made. I'm the American dream and faith has been such a huge part of um, my journey. And I look to uh, my tribe, my collaborators, God and others, uh, when these types of things happen as an entrepreneur. Um, and I also look to the, the environment that we've created as a country where we are the country that's supposed to be about entrepreneurship and startups. And we've created this environment that makes us non-competitive with the rest of the world. And so I think it's important to discuss on a variety of different fronts and also to keep in mind, I don't remember who said this, but he said it famously, banking is supposed to be boring. So also, how did we get to the place where banking has become this um, almost a spectator sport with all these incredibly complex and creative plays and instruments? But how did banking become so corrupt? Hmm. I don't know if banking is exceptionally corrupt. I think, you know, when you live in a society that is based on capitalism, so many people are striving to win and to seize that ring. And the ring typically is defined by money. Um, So I think there's like this huge level of ambition and um, competitiveness that sometimes goes awry many times goes awry in our country and around the world when people are dangling that carrot in front of you. I think it is important for there to be transparency and accountability because typically when you shine a light on something or when someone else is observing it, uh, it, it affects people's behaviors, including founders and investors. And I've been both. So, but does this also say that that dingling object that shining penny, that mm-hmm. silver dollar, can it also causes the regulators to compromise themselves, to see what they don't want to see, uh, fail to do due diligence in terms of what the bank deregulation should supposed to be about to the point where people, innocent people, taxpayers, end up paying the ultimate cost for this greed uh, for this lack of monitoring when you don't have someone in place uh, assessing the management risk. You understand why that is so important and not have someone in place for seven, eight months 
and your bank is bleeding cash and no one says anything and your agenda is not climate change, LGBTQ issues. We understand there's a time and place for that, but you also must have solvency and some kind of control of your banking environment, which has been entrusted. Are we saying that the regulators have loosened those um, four pillars where people are now exploiting it at the expense of everyday people? True. Um, you know, I think some of the stuff that's going on, say, for example, with ESG that you mentioned, uh, didn't play into the Silicon Valley bank collapse. Uh, what played into the collapse was, and you bring up a good point about the guardrails and regulations and what about the regulators and is everyone in on this, right? Um, as a country in our economic history, when I first started, say, on Wall Street, I used to work on Wall Street and in the banking industry in the late 80s and 90s during that banking collapse. Um, and as a tech entrepreneur, my first software that I licensed was actually 30, a little over 30 years ago as part of the consolidation of the commercial banking industry back in the early 90s. So this isn't my first time at the rodeo. And you know, interestingly enough, we go through these cycles as a country where we'll loosen and everyone goes a bit crazy, then something like this will happen, we'll tighten, then people get comfortable, we loosen, and then everything goes a bit crazy and we go through a cycle. And I think it's important for us to make a commitment to where are our values with all of this? Like how do we balance uh, the, the desire to make money and des the desire to look after the average person, the employees that are at all these companies. What happened recently was during the Great Recession, which was so painful for small business owners like me, we, we had the, uh, you know, I hate to use the term bailout, but basically they bailed out the banking industry back in uh, 2010. It was welfare. 20, yeah. This was not the form of welfare. Possibly you could look at it that yeah. way, especially because it, it saved a lot of the yeah. investment banks. Yeah. And the investment banks were supposed to be the banks that took risks and you knew that you could lose everything. But when it came to losing everything, people were like, whoa, Houston, we have a problem. But after that, we had passed the Dodd-Frank Act of 2010. And in that Dodd-Frank Act, it created all these different measures for reporting and transparency and regulation, which you know, a lot of people liked and a lot of people didn't like for banks in our country that had over $50 billion in deposits. So theoretically, uh, something like Silicon Valley Bank shouldn't have happened, right? But years later, around 20, in 2018, there was like this Economic Recovery Act, I forget the name of the act, but they loosened, that, that act then loosened a lot of the regulations and it basically required the more extensive reporting requirements for banks, the, the absolute largest banks in the country. So banks that had $250 billion of deposits or more. There are only 12 banks in the country that have that much under deposit. So all the rest of the banks uh, could not do anything they wanted to do, but they could do a lot of things that they wanted to do that they wouldn't have been able to do if they were more heavily regulated. 
hence Silicon Valley Bank, hence Signature Bank. They were no longer being deeply observed by the Fed, and so they start to play certain games. Uh, in Silicon Valley's bank, it was the game of taking this flood of extra deposits coming off the pandemic and placing them in treasuries, and then treasuries start to tank because of the interest rate hikes, and there was nowhere for, for them to get capital, um, which then calls to run on the bank by the venture capitalists and the entrepreneurs and the employees. Silicon Valley Bank is such a unique, and, and some of those other banks that focus on the tech industry are such unique banks. They're sort of similar to some of the farmers' banks that were out there back in the day, where it's so caught up in a singular industry that if it goes down, it can bring down an entire industry. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. 